everyone. Welcome to BeelerCast. I'm Rob Beeler. I'm your host. And really excited this week about the conversation that we're going to have, um, in part because I'm pretty much well known in the in the ad tech space and in the in the media space for for being skeptical about blockchain and and a lot of the things that are kind of going on in the in our universe these these days. And and part of that's because again, it's it's something where I've looked at some of the applications around blockchain in particular as to whether that's the right place to start. Uh, ad tech, as you know, is is, a, is an industry where the numbers tend to kind of move around. And the idea of putting it all into an immutable database somehow to me never never quite made sense. But we can get there. What's really exciting me for me, though, however, has been this conversation that started between um, my guests and myself um, over the last number of months, really not thinking necessarily about blockchain, not even thinking about all the speculative talk about NFTs and whatever, but really about just how we could change the world, thinking about things in terms of humanity, thinking, thinking about um, getting media to people who don't have access at this point, uh, and creating emerging you know markets that uh, that don't exist today or are just hard to get to today, uh, and so what I'm hoping is this is actually going to be the first of many conversations either with these particular guests um, as Sunil and Maceo and I continue these conversations, but also that we'll bring in more guests to actually talk about this particular convergence between decentralized finance and media. So, with that, I want to welcome uh, my guests today, uh, Maceo and Sunil. Uh, Maceo, why don't you give us an idea of who you are and, and what it is that you do? Oh, great. Thank you, Rob. I am an entrepreneur, uh, to sum it up in one word, and uh, taking a fundamental value uh, perspective towards entrepreneurship, which is trying to tangibly affect as many living human beings as possible in their day-to-day economic activity. So you have a background in, in finance and uh, or in business? How, how does one come to the point of wanting to literally affect that many people? Well, I started in finance and uh, in here in Boston and got a really interesting introduction to finance operating in on the corporate side and commodities and energy and the opportunity to work with decision makers in the Southern Hemisphere who were owners of companies that either produced or moved physical commodities. And the commodity industry is is quite interesting. It affects so many parts of an economy from the producers of the commodity, which would be farmers, uh, processors, which would be manufacturers, shippers, investors, uh, and the like. And being involved in that gives you a 30,000 foot view of an economy, a region, cultures, uh, commodities will go back and forth across cultures. Uh, you know, sugar is produced in many places in the world. However, those involved in those industries can be very different. So um, that beginning uh, allowed for a perspective, which really led to where I'm at today, uh, going down that vein, operating in energy, uh, and deliberately being an entrepreneur. 
Uh, rather than operating inside of one of the larger corporate commodity houses. You know, they have, there's a lot of benefit to that. You can do very well for yourself. Uh, I would say that the adventure to be a commodity entrepreneur was, was worth uh, the cost. And uh, it allows you to see opportunities globally that you might not see. Fantastic. Fantastic. So we're going to, we're going to tie back into that. Sunil, uh, I know I've known you for quite, quite some time. We've, we've got a history together. Can you explain again where, where you're coming from and what you're focused on? Yeah, I, I think I would describe myself as a, a strategy and finance man who found his way into the media industry uh, when programmatic was getting going, you know, to come in and help build RTB and all of that. And, and then, sort of turned serial entrepreneur after that. And I think, you know, I've operated in the media space and I've studied it more from a strategic point of view, from a technology point of view. I don't think I was ever an advertising guy, if you will. And so the next step was really, okay, let's take some of this technology. And, you know, I consider myself actually a legitimate programmatic OG. I know that's a term that's thrown around because my teams have actually built them. I actually understand. I read the code. And the next horizon is really take this technology that we built and apply it to real physical industries. You know, so I'm printing coffee and now we're talking about real banking. My background is really in sort of finance. And the funny thing is, uh, all of Maceo and I met, it had nothing to do with business. You know, we were just kind of in a uh, you know social gathering where I was dressed in my hoodie and Maceo on a Sunday afternoon was dressed casually and you know there was no pretext of business and I overheard you know Maceo speaking to someone I realized he's an incredibly logical human being and we just struck up a conversation we started talking about all kinds of things geopolitics economics the future of the world the opportunity the southern hemisphere it was really like 45 minutes in when I asked him, what do you actually do? And I had written the book in programmatic marketing science. We sort of started talking and realized that there's actually a real convergence point or you know, set of convergence points between what's going on in fintech, crypto, media, programmatic. And by putting those things together, I think we've got a good thesis on creating synergy and opportunity for both of those sectors. Yeah, it does seem like all of this is racing toward Again, new way of, again, whether it be media to advertising, but just how we do business, all of these new technologies and the, all these new kind of new ways of, of operating are all kind of converging all at once. And I think that there's there's going to be obviously a lot of advantages to, to first movers, right? People who who see the opportunity and kind of move to that. And so, you know, with that in mind, um, I say I'd love for you to to talk through really the um, uh, you know the project that you're you're currently. I, I call it a project. You may not think of it as a project. It's a little bit bigger than that. Uh, but can you talk a little bit about uh, what you're what you're currently up to? Great. Well. It is a project. Uh, we'll go with that. And uh, correct, there is convergence uh, in this industry. And um, I'd say ad and, and media. We're seeing convergence in media also with things like uh, Netflix and online streaming. Uh, I started off in the dot com uh, one days, and, you know, we were getting uh, videos uh, that were broken up and, and streaming slowly and only dreamed of something like Netflix. And now that seems kind of passe. 
And now uh, we're seeing another level of convergence uh, through digital uh, media medium, which is the ability for people to engage in transactions themselves uh, through IoT devices, through uh, you know, laptops or whatever type of technology they have. And with that technology spreading throughout the world at a rapid rate, uh, for instance, you know, our market is the Southern Hemisphere, which is what our project is. It is about uh, onboarding as many human beings into a financial ecosystem that runs well, as they say in the industry has low friction, uh, allows people to engage in normal economic activity uh, that they necessarily would have difficulty uh, in depending upon where they were born in the world. And uh, that combined with our what is already happening in media and then now this burgeoning reality for humanity where every human being soon will have the opportunity to participate in a well-run financial system, have uh, the same data and access to information that someone in Manhattan does who uh, you know, looks at uh, Bloomberg or CNBC, it's a free plug for them. And uh, you know, it's all gonna come through IoT device. So you know, what does that mean? Uh, that means that people are going to self-determine, their lives are gonna change. Uh, many people, their lives is dependent upon their financial system. It determines what activities they have, jobs they have, uh, meaning are they connected to only people in their immediate area? Or are they connected to people globally? Uh, do they have a product you know, that is interesting, but people in their area you know, may not have a need for it? But if your market now is 5 billion people and you've got a unique product, that changes your economic reality. So um, our project is about speeding up as much as we can, as many human beings who are underbanked coming into a functioning financial ecosystem and approaching it from a point of solving that problem, that question, and being agnostic in terms of the technology. And yeah, so under underbanked, right? So if I if I understand that, and again, please please help me me get there. Which is again, we we take uh, in in North America, we take in the U.S. Uh, for granted that we can create bank accounts and we can participate in the financial markets, right? We can we can it's it's you know you're well again even without a bank you can you can start getting into the stock trades, you can start to do all these things. That is not true for let's say the majority of the world. Is that is that a correct, correct statement? And so what you're saying is that some of this technology that we're is kind of converging um, could allow for those for everyone to have access to financial instruments in a way that allows them to do things. Sunil, please. Uh, you know, one thing that I wanted to interject with here is because we're talking about, you know, grand strategy. We're talking about potentially technology and various other things. Just the human element of this. I think when we think about the Southern Hemisphere, it's so young. You know, the average age in India is 28. The average age in America is 39. The average age in Europe is close to 42. And the average age across Africa is not even 20. It's, you know, 19 point something. So I think to me, and I know, Maceo, you operate on the ground in, you know, various parts of Africa and the Caribbean. What I would like to learn from you is 
you know, what is really that qualitative exuberance of the youth? How do they look at new emerging technologies such as cryptocurrency? And what does it really mean for them in terms of their life vision? Great question. Uh, the the youth, uh, as I've seen in the Caribbean, uh, the African continent, and uh, we can't wait to get to Central America and South America, are really seeing what we would consider as new technology as normal because of the youth. Right. So, uh, yeah, we look at technology that came out when we were 18 or 20 something years old. You know, the con the concept of, oh, this is something new doesn't really exist because everything is new in your life at that point. You know, so this is their normal. Uh, the There isn't really an adjustment period to change an old habit. There is a desire to find what works best for you at that time. And also, uh, this is a technology that is going in a logical step. Uh, we're standing on the shoulders of entities like Facebook, Instagram, the whole social media universe. Again, uh, the convergence of media into technology. So there, that is translated into an expectation of more development, more innovation. You know, if you look at the last... 10 years, uh, the path of technological innovation and, you know, we say an average age of 26, you know, in a region, well, that means that that innovation started at 15. (laughs) That is a major part of their consciousness. And that is their expectation that every year is going to be something really interesting and useful that will come their way that they will have a choice on whether to participate in. So, uh, I think the interest is immense. And also, if you look at the data uh, and the trends, for instance, and then the adoption of IoT devices, uh, we're looking at almost uh, a 98% saturation of smartphones on the sub-Saharan African continent in seven years. You know, that's 700 million people. And that's one of the who, things. Oh, I'm sorry. Continue your yeah. point. No, I was going to say yeah, that's 700 million people who <laughs> are uh, a thumbprint away from engaging your media, your concept, your financial services, uh, and that also means that the financial services are going to change. They're going to be uh, taking a greater interest and a greater role in determining what financial service is valuable. You know, maybe people won't be looking at an ETF uh, that's based in Europe. You know, they will be participating in financial services that affect their everyday life. Like for instance, uh, cassava in in, in West Africa or or, uh, coffee, you know, around the world. Now, how are these technologies now gonna create efficiencies and, you know, coffee is one of the largest commodities in the world that affects millions and millions of people, you know, hundreds of millions of people. You know, there's obviously going to be efficiency created, especially as people start to learn how to develop their own technologies. Uh, and that's what blockchain makes uh, affordable. So 
Well, I think that the interest is really high. Uh, if you look at the pure metrics, uh, it's heading in the right direction. So I want to I want to go back. You hit a couple of key points I want to come back to, but I want to make sure for for the audience that they understand a little bit more about this project in Aqua. What what you are working on? This isn't its own Bitcoin. This isn't its own NFTs. We're talking about an underlying system by which, again, we can get more people to be able to participate and onboard more humans into, into the market for them to be able to, to participate, right? And so, I, I kind of want to make that, that point only because just what comes to my mind, of course, and Sunil, building off your point of the youth uh, of these markets, is if we think the adoption of certain technologies is quick in the US in a, in a area, in, in something where again where everyone is at that particular age it's just going to happen it's going to be and feel like it is overnight and so i think the one thing that i want to start to make sure we are starting to kind of you know um, connect the dots on is so we're not talking you know we're not talking about nfts we're talking about the system on which these nfts can be built right that that these can be transacted on and again allow more people to be be involved in this let's connect that dot Sunil, to to media and and how you see this as being an area that media companies need to pay attention to instead of waiting to see what gets built participating in the actual building yeah, and I think we, you know, there there's sort of the traditional media opportunity, and then there are media opportunities probably media companies haven't thought about, or you know, many of them haven't. If we work off of the basic premise that media is about content and distribution, and then we look at what's going on across the broader southern hemisphere, I think we begin to understand. So, so let's look at some of the macroeconomics that are going on. Number one, let's imbibe once and for all. This is very important. India and China are more industrialized than America and Russia now in terms of manufacturing as a percentage of their gross domestic product, and it's not heading back anytime soon. Now, there is, uh, I think there's some misreporting that we get in our education system and our media, where what they'll do is they'll kind of uh, show the economy of a country in US dollars, and you, you think it's a lot smaller than it is, but they don't use dollars, right? They're saving 20, 30% of their uh, money, we're talking massive national treasuries. And if you saw the news today, there was a free trade deal signed between India and the UAE. And that's absolutely critical. So it, it combines Mumbai with Dubai. And Mumbai is just a massive city. It, you know, the economy is bigger than Norway. Everybody knows that. And Dubai has historically been one of the transit and trade and financial services, media sort of, you know, international hubs. This is part of something much larger. China has the Belt and Road Initiative, and India has, and this is a part of it, it is called the Arab Mediterranean Economic Corridor. So this is gonna go through Saudi Arabia, through the UAE, Israel, to Greece, to Germany, you know, uh, other parts of Europe, and then of course, through Dubai, to other parts of Asia and Africa. And so what's happening along this corridor and other corridors is there are value chains going up. Value chains in agriculture is huge. So agribusiness, as Maceo mentioned, petrochemicals, uh, 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 renewable energy, 
manufacturing, you know, capital being invested by multi-trillion dollar superpowers, you know, so we're not just talking about, you know, venture capitalists. And so within this, you're going to need pools of liquidity. Now, some of those pools of liquidity will come from cryptocurrency. You're going to need new neobanking. You're going to need to be able to connect to the transactions that are happening in Dubai and Haifa and Greece and other parts of the world in Mumbai and what people are doing in Africa. Uh, you know, you're going to need to be able to convert currency, convert services, have pools of liquidity, connect people. And all this, while another cascading effect is happening, which is the supply chains that are in China are not shifting to India. And the services supply chains that were in India are shifting to ASEAN, to parts of Africa. So where, you know, you had the man with the Indian accent named Bob answering your phone. Soon you'll have the man with a Kenyan accent named Bob answering your phone. And so there's a tremendous amount of economic activity happening. And all while the guys on Twitter, the crypto guys are saying, if India doesn't accept cryptocurrency, you know, the economy will be ruined. Well, the economy is growing by 12%. And so, you know, you've got massive across the Southern Hemisphere investments, trade corridors, value chains, the need for neobanking, and absolutely the need for liquidity in cryptocurrency. How does media play in? Media plays in in two ways. One, anytime you have economy and commerce, you're going to need media to promote that economy and commerce. But there's an additional way that media can play. Media can actually take a position on the balance sheets. So if you have a cryptocurrency that's launched, uh, let's say you begin accepting media as a product or you begin accepting cryptocurrency for your media. Media is in a unique position to accept cryptocurrency because digital media costs virtually nothing to distribute. Now you begin to take a position on the balance sheet, you get cryptocurrency on your balance sheet, you promote the currency, you promote the currency's value, suddenly people's income goes up and they start buying other products and services and you promote that with media. So there's a complete convergence between media, fintech, cryptocurrency, and all the value chains that have been created. A lot there. Please, Maceo, I'd love to hear your, your thoughts on that. No, that, that, that's that's one of that. It, it's a lot of detail there, and it's all important. Uh, and you brought up a great point, which is about connectivity. Uh, what this connectivity also does, you know, we, we call it connectivity as a service, you know, and not leaving it up to just uh, the uh, whims of a few or, you know, the luck of politics and, you know, kind of waiting for things to hash out and diplomacy just saying, hey, let's connect as many human beings as fast as possible in the best system and give them the tools to start them off but make the system adjustable so that they can dive into it and improve the system themselves. And what that will do also in media uh, is that now there will be hundreds of millions of people coming online who are genius creators. And, you know, it will be a uh, YouTube part two and three, and you know, all of these kind of sites where are really just like you make a video and you put it up and, you know, they've created some monetization scheme, but now uh, people creating, you know, any type of media or art and, you know, attaching to NFTs, which you know, we see as just a mechanism of ownership. Okay? It's, a, it's a really good mechanism of ownership for art and media, as well as physical assets. You know, there's a movement of NFTs to start being utilized in kind of this legacy economy. As Sunil was speaking to manufacturing and things like this in India and China, you know, manufacturing assemblies expanding in Africa and South America. 
Well, now that we've got this connectivity, you're adding tools to that connectivity. You're going to start seeing natural economic activity, which is someone utilizing NFTs to uh, place ownership on a product that they manufacture in Colombia, and then someone utilizing NFTs to do uh, dynamic media commercials for this product. Right? And they may be in India. So now you've got someone in Colombia and India coming together in a value chain, right? That is creating one component, one unit of value, but they're completely separated. Uh, 10 years ago, they would have had to have gone through an expensive uh, company or, or known someone, you know, at an agency uh, in another part of the world. And now it's just, uh, simple as their choice of connecting. Just how people are surfing YouTube and other channels, they're going to be surfing the world to find economic activity that they can directly participate in. I want to, I want to tell you why. Well, why you saw me smiling when you started to talk, because if you think about the language around the metaverse and the way that Facebook looks about how, and they use the language about connecting everyone in the world. It's as if we're all going to be in this shopping mall, walking around with our new little avatars for the body perception that we've always wanted and how great that's going to be. And you hear so many people talking about what what is this solving for? Do I really like in other words, at some point I have to take the goggles off and have to get back to the real world. <laughs> you know, and and what you just said right just in comparison to that pitch is someone in colombia that created something is able to transact with someone in another part of the world because they are, there's an underlying connection to them with efficiency right because again you could possibly try and do it today but there's mechanisms in place to actually if anything hinder that and what you're talking about, and again, I think this is this is the part that I want everyone that's listening to kind of start to connect these dots, is that level of connectivity across the world around I'm gonna I'm gonna be I'm gonna say it around real stuff <laughs> really starts to actually have meaningful impact than whether I'm going to have blue fur today or pink fur on my avatar when I go and sit there and hang out on the, you know, whatever, whatever that is, that picture that's been drawn. Sunil. It's needs versus, you know, vain desires. And, you know, you, you, you have, you've been in the conversations where everybody uh, is a crypto expert. What's Dogecoin doing? What's this doing? What's that doing? That is, that's speculation. You know, I've been studying the Southern Hemisphere for decades, and Maceo has, and we've operated there. And this is why this is interesting, because for, for us, it's interesting. But as an investment, when you're getting behind needs and, and, and real economic opportunity, that is sustainable. NFTs, you know, weird creative NFTs, that's fine. It's the year of the NFT. It's the year of mobile. It's the year of, you know, whatever it is. But it's real needs, economic growth, massive uh, job creation. You know, we're talking with this free trade deal, they're saying a million jobs are going to be created in India. Think about that. A million jobs. And just building on that, so I think the point you say about speculation has has been along the lines of what I've been thinking about. Again, the, the what dominates our world around around NFTs and, and all this particular piece is it's just it's kind of the new form of gambling. Right, it's a new lot. It's the new lottery. 
right? Let's let's see if I can pick the right coin at the right time and suddenly put ten ten dollars in and make a thousand. Like how awesome would that be, right? Compared to actual economic system by which we could sit there and transact more. Uh, absolutely, but, you know, speculation is necessary too. Uh, again, and this comes to uh, the mission statement and, and, and purpose of uh, this project, which is, you know, it is about being useful. So specu- speculation has use, you know, it, uh, in terms of hedging well, back to the real world, you know, commodities and such, or uh, you could say insurance, right, uh, on your uh, business venture, whatever it may be. Uh, but again, much of the industry and writing what Sunil says has maybe rightly so, but has been really focused on low hanging fruit, like creating a product and getting people to speculate on it, you know, and that allows for the improvement of that technology, uh, um, you know, working out the kinks, also spreading uh, the knowledge and participation of that technology. And uh, they've kind of focused on that. We believe that all of that should be in aqua. And so there should be speculation. There should be productivity. Right? There should be environments where uh, there's also economic activity based upon knowledge workers. You know? So there are business models where you're not necessarily producing something that is a tangible product, you know, some uh, edible commodity. Or, you know, you're not just speculating, but they may be adding some type of intellectual value, uh, technology uh, product. And that still requires a value chain. You know, you've got inputs, you've got someone who's going to work it, you've got uh, uh, marketing, you've got customer service, you know, and these people uh, will, there'll be far more opportunities for people to connect and what we hope is any type of economic activity. And if, and if you look at what economic activity does, you kind of break it down to its root. It is all human activity. You know, the minute you wake up, you're engaging in some type of activity. You make a choice of value on, do I eat breakfast? You know, do I exercise? Uh, do I, do I uh, you know, go to the park and enjoy nature? Do I work in my farm? Do I, I do a mixture of those things. And, you know, Aqua would be a home for, you know, 4 billion people that they can just voluntarily come into. And uh, it is agnostic on technology. We're going to be receptive to all systems that are put out there uh, that people are developing. And it will be agnostic to industry. And a lot of what you see in the blockchain now is if you go into I mean, it's, it's really divided, but, and it's still converging, but uh, some places are kind of like an NFT universe. And it's interesting when you go on there, you're right. You see all this interesting artwork and yeah, I, I, I love art myself. I, you know, I was lucky to have parents who collect a lot of art, but uh, it can be, uh, it's a bit of a niche, right? And then you have to go somewhere else to get into another area. And you know, they're doing this currently on top of an economic system, but it's a legacy economic system and they don't quite jive, right? So the legacy economic system is paper and legacy banks. And in the North, you have this thing called KYC, 
Northern Hemisphere, KYC. Southern Hemisphere people will never pass KYC. Uh, the systems are different. <laughs> you know, you're not in the database. They don't know you. You don't have, you know, government numbers the way they do. And, uh, you know, seems it's going to kind of push all of that to the side. It's going to allow anyone to operate. Uh, you will be able to find whomever you want. Uh, and people will come because uh, initially in the world, operating in Aqua will add immediate value to their lives because they will now be able to operate with the efficiency you would, whether you're a well-to-do person again in Manhattan, I'll use Manhattan again, uh, anywhere in the world. And uh, people are practical. People are intelligent. That's and once they get into that, they will improve on that. So we'll see connections in business that we never even thought. And since evolving. since my audience is really kind of media oriented, advertising oriented, I want to I want to build off that because again, I think that 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 proposition alone is a reason to think in that direction. When I think about the media aspect of it, and Sunil, I want you to help me. Uh, Make a couple connections here, right? Which is, um, and I'm thinking, I'm thinking less about the content creators that will now suddenly have a means by which to create and, and do. So uh, again, sorry. My my point being is that based on what Maseo just said, new content creators will now have a platform by which to to be um, you know uh, compensated. For their work, so that's just going to lead to amazing new content. Um, and the reason I'm I'm doing that little preface, and you heard me kind of uh, babble a little bit there, was because I'm thinking, of course, about the the large uh, media companies that exist today that are thinking about these markets and thinking about how they're going to succeed. Now, one, they should probably be looking for content creators there. And again, things like Squid Game and whatever, there'll be other examples where you'll start to see how something suddenly kind of goes global, right? But let's let's talk a little bit more about the fact that some of those companies struggle to actually break into those markets. One, they don't speak necessarily the language or the, understand the culture. But this economic system suddenly, I think, opens up the ability for them to start to think about this, right? Because the the means by which to get and we'll we'll use Netflix without you know as again kind of building off that they really can't do a successful subscription model kind of kind of to your point like the systems don't really work well for that if it's subscription if it's advertising if it's whatever these things those systems the efficiency isn't there but what I'm hearing is that like I, I'm sorry I'm kind of Hopefully not taking your points, Neil, but because I'm on a roll here, buddy. But there's a piece of this of almost thinking like to me, Google today is is a discovery engine. That's where you go to find things. To these people that are coming up new with this kind of new financial underlying piece, there's almost an aspect of they could be the new discovery engine because what do I have access to? in an easy enough way that I can participate and be a part of it will become a new way to sit there and get content discovered, created, built, and that whole ecosystem starts to take it. And that's as far as I, my mind can take it. Sunil, you're good at this. What, what am I missing or what's the bigger picture here? 
Yeah, you know, that's a great setup. And I think it's a combination of things because the subscription model works in some parts of the Southern Hemisphere. But then, you know, as we extend further, there are going to be other ways to do it. But if we look at Netflix, you mentioned, has five and a half million subscribers in India. Amazon has 22 million. What's the difference? Amazon has invested in local cultural content. So Netflix is known really good, really, uh, you know, uh, or they're known a lot for their sort of international English uh, speaking content. So there is a gap to be closed and 22 million is nothing to sneeze at. But then when you look at Hotstar, Hotstar has got 46 million in India. What's the difference? They've got cricket and, and cricket, by the way. The Indian Premier League in a month and a half gets more in sponsorships than Major League Baseball gets in a year. And you're talking about the world's fastest major growing economy, right? So cricket in in the due course of time will become the greatest, you know, sponsorship and reach sports vehicle on the planet. It's the second most played sport. So so there's a there's room to work with the sponsorship model. I think what it really comes down to, and I'll talk about the other piece, it comes down to cultural sensitivity, real cultural sensitivity. I don't mean the politically correct stuff. Now, I'm a part of the Indian diaspora. You know, I'm a person of Indian origin. I'm a U.S. citizen. We, I've lived here a long time. But I'll, I'll tell you, we understand the code words and we understand the way that the Western media covers the civilizational culture of India. There was a very prominent newspaper when India sent a spacecraft to Mars. They showed a cartoon with, you know, the Indian man with a cow on a leash standing outside the uh, International Space Club. Uh, I'm not going to mention the newspaper. They apologize. But if, if you read those kinds of media outlets, the sort of biases have just gone underground. Now, you know, at the end of the day, that's a commercial issue, because if newspaper A in the West or media company A in the West continues to do that and rest on its laurels, then that's an opportunity for media company B without doing any of the crypto stuff, without doing any of the blockchain stuff. If you simply begin treating people with respect, there's a huge amount of economic activity and opportunity. Now, the other part, places where the subscription model isn't going to work yet, or or not necessarily places, but segments of the population who maybe don't have access to that opportunity. But you think about their participation in a system like Aqua, where you know people at a in a very economical way can participate within the system, and they can you know uh, get on board with neo banking at a very low cost. Once you start doing that, and let's say you know you've got coin within the system. Uh, media companies can begin to accept that coin. Now, there's no cost to you because you're getting an audience. But as you begin accepting, the coin goes up in value. Now you bring other, you know, marketers and commerce opportunity into the system. And you essentially create a market for your own subscription services. And so the ability to literally create value in currency doesn't exist so much in the Western hemisphere. So the, the you know, the opportunities are tremendous. We're talking about three billion plus people and, and the connectivity to mobile phones. I mean, India's probably got more than, you know, a billion people using mobile phones. You're talking about a middle class of 700 million people who are saving like 25, 30 percent of their income, sending their kids to private schools. But because our economists love showing or the political scientists want to show that the average person is, you know, making five thousand dollars, they don't use dollars. They use rupees. It gives them a cost advantage in export. <laughs> so let's really start thinking about the real economy and the human beings and the use cases. But the scale is enormous. 
Yeah, that's amazing. That's amazing. So I want to um, I want to start to think about what's next. So so Maceo, you like you? This is um, this project. And again, I keep saying that in a funny way, just because again, it's so big in terms of its scale. The project doesn't seem to be the right word. So we're gonna have to work on that. I'm gonna have to stop calling it a project. But Maceo, what you're currently working on? Um, what's your focus right now? What's your what's what's next? Um, for for Aqua, great. Well, uh, what's next is um, basically what Sunil was talking about is we are uh, launching this ecosystem, and you know we see ourselves as uh, as help and a parallel to existing cultures and governments around the world, where uh, we're looking to just onboard people into the system, which will give them uh, a base level of services that are going to immediately improve their lives. You know, that's the first step. Uh, and uh, that's coming out uh, rapidly this year uh, in 2022. Uh, you know, and our role is to really just empower people to engage in normal, healthy economic activity and stay out of the way. You know, our, our role is not to determine culture, um, political issues, uh, uh, any of that. Our role is simply almost the role of what cash is supposed to do. It's allowing two people to engage in commerce. And to be a digital form of cash now, you have to be more than just a coin. You know, it's got to be in a protected uh, ecosystem. So, you know, our mission is to protect this ecosystem. You know, we watch people operate. We continually improve it as as we see it, and uh, we're actually very we're going to be very aggressive in expanding the knowledge base of developers and the the culture of wanting to develop in the southern hemisphere. And that's you know that real tough hard code. I'm not really a great coder myself. To people you know utilizing uh, systems to that are easier to use to create content and be a, a home of innovation. So uh, all that's coming out this quarter and we're having great uh, uh, partnerships that we are discussing. Uh, and when we come into an environment we say, hey, how can we help the human beings in this environment live a better life through having better economic activity? You know, you, you take that point you just ended with and Sunil, your point about like respect you know, globally, and, and again, like this, I think I think the thing that we've learned is that connectivity does lead to empathy when done well, right? When done done correctly, yes. and, and so I think that there's there's hope uh, to to do that, um, and it's hard to take from that level where we are toward my next question, but I, I have to kind of ask it, which is, uh, as two individuals who are watching this, and again, uh, the two of you keep me, you keep my reading list long uh, and interesting, but long. You, you do you do guys uh, do find a lot of things. What should people um, be doing or reading or thinking about or and what maybe should they not be in terms of connecting this dot because again I think what I was trying to do is say at the beginning is some of the speculation talk is getting in the way of building things and say I think you kind of putting me in my place that speculation has its place so agreed uh, but there is a piece here where I'm trying to think through to you both of what you've said is the mission where do I start to pay attention to what do I what do I what 
What perhaps do I not put less less attention to? Any thoughts? I've got a thought. I, I think you know there's a lesson that media companies learned over the last ten years or so. Most of them were late to real time bidding, so that that's a use case that we can draw upon. And if you really think about what's going on in that industry, the middle players, the, the middlemen have all the power. We can say whatever we want publicly. I saw some, I saw an article that the trade desk released something and it's to cut out middlemen. The trade desk is a middleman. Who doesn't understand that? So I think the, the important thing is to begin doing now. You know, it's about organizational culture. I was within the holding companies. You know, I was within Havas, but all the holding companies, I think, faced a similar challenge at that time when we were discovering this new thing, which is you're trying to respond to this technology. And I had come over from IBM, so I was, you know, from a real tech culture. And, and the biggest challenge when it comes to strategy is your own culture. You know, you, you've got a media culture. You're trying to deal with technology. And you've got to find ways to inculcate a flywheel, protect that politically and say, look, these people are going to have uh, political immunity for a couple of years just to study this thing. Go, 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 go now. They can read my book, by the way. But, you know, I would say read about international economics, what's going on in the southern hemisphere. Read about these trade deals. Read about the value chains. Uh, the technology, you can always study the technology. It's not about the technology. It's really about the opportunity, the culture. And to me, strategy is not planning. It's not theory. It's really about understanding a paradigm. Follow the thought leaders. The thought leaders will lead you to the paradigm. They'll tell you the limit that you can't break. Once you figure that out, break that limit. That's what you have to do. Fantastic. Maceo, any, any last thoughts? Sure, yeah. Looking at the industry to, to help cut through the noise is, you know, people should start looking at where new money is being created because that's what pure crypto does. It's allowing human beings to literally create money as a product that before you needed to be part of the treasury of a government or at a certain level in banking. Now, anyone with some technology can create something that uh, is representative of money and start looking at which technologies are, are going to connect previously unconnected businesses to these new people who have money. And they're evolving. So, you know, there are whole industries of people and, you know, products can be considered money. They have these products, but they're gonna be technologies now that are gonna connect people in the world to things like, you know, heirloom agriculture, unique plants that may be a niche that was untenable to utilize traditional trade to sell. But now you can find that special fruit that uh, before you couldn't, that only grows in a certain part of the world. So uh, I think from a practical standpoint, for those who aren't developing, who are looking at the outside and maybe looking at opportunities, you know, look at technology and say, hey, you know, these people have something really interesting. These people uh, have money. Uh, this seems to be a bridge to bring those people together. You know, just by, you know, being a part of that, investing or supporting it. Now you're really uh, you're part of that. And it's something people can digest. 
Well, I want to thank the two of you for, again, an enlightening conversation. And again, it's in some ways it, it's uh, fascinating to kind of take things up to the level and the scale and the size of this conversation. I really, really enjoy in doing that. And um, you know, I'm going to ask the two of you to help me continue these type of conversations, right? Because again, I think that there's there's an aspect of Yes, my day-to-day is on the ad tech side, and uh, I deal with all the the middlemen that Sunil uh, spoke about and trying to figure out ways to get information to flow freer, uh, to help people who create content uh, make more revenue and and, and make that a, a viable system, but to also just, again, to expand that uh, further throughout the world. You know, um, there's just... You know, I'm going to look to the two of you really for the analysis on what it is that we we need to be paying attention to. So I'm looking forward to kind of working to create something with you guys to uh, to see if we can keep the conversation moving forward and, and hit on all those points of humanity that you you touched on. Less less the technology and, and more the humanity is, I think, going to be something that's going to kind of lead the lead the way. Yeah, uh, Rob, that would be our pleasure. And, you know, let me thank you as well, because you're the only guy in our space who who's, who's thinking in the media space and, you know, providing avenues for this kind of broad thinking. We've got to go beyond clicks and conversions and really take this technology, which, OK, in, initially it was created on the basis of speculation, as Maceo mentioned, but we can apply it to, you know, human beings and opportunity and creating wealth across the world. And so. Your background as an operator helps us bounce that off somebody who can kind of challenge us a little bit as well. And so always a pleasure chatting with you. And uh, thank you for this conversation. Great. Yes. And thank you, Rob. Uh, We look forward to it. I'd like to leave with, uh, I think we're heading into a golden age of media. More humans participating in media, more humans who have access to capital that they can engage in various economic activities, especially media, means that you're going to have more product and content. And, you know, the world is a rich place uh, for art, especially the Southern Hemisphere. I mean, we all know that. We can go to any museum and, or even especially in contemporary product, right? So uh, I think we it's wise to have continual analysis of what's happening. Uh, there's no way to predict what's coming out. There are people right now creating products that we haven't thought about that are going to connect humans and industries and content that we haven't thought about. Uh, and also, there is a lot of noise, so it needs fundamental analysis. So hopefully we can do that here. Yeah. We started the conversation about the convergence of, of all these factors on the technology side and the digital side. And we just ended with a convergence of people and culture and, and that piece. So I think I think that's a great place to, to, to wrap up. And yeah, looking forward to it. Hey, if anyone has any ideas on, on this discussion and want to add to it, uh, please reach out. And um, looking forward to the next Beeler cast when we get to talk about these topics. Thanks, everyone. Thanks, everyone.